our Lord and our God, we firmly believe that you are here, that you see us, that you hear us. We adore you with profound reverence. We ask your pardon for our sins, the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My friends, my uh, virtual friends, if you will, I don't know, I uh, woke up this morning, um, I don't know, feeling a little bit overwhelmed by all of this. It seems like we're just getting started with uh, the response to this uh, coronavirus pandemic and I'm already losing patience with it. Our lives have surely been uh, tipped over. Uh, life seems different. Uh, please God, this is not the new normal. Surely it is not. Um, I don't know, maybe I just woke up on the wrong side of bed. These things happen. Um, but I can tell you until I got to praying before the most blessed sacrament this morning, I, I really did not have any peace. Uh, yeah, things are different, but I, um, I don't know. I was so comforted just simply by being in the Lord's presence. Uh, our churches are still open, my friends. Uh, there is much time, in fact, uh, my, much time that we can spend before the Eucharistic Lord. Uh, we're not yet uh, able to uh, receive him in the most blessed sacrament, but um, we can receive his grace uh, in deep prayer. So I would encourage you to um, Get to your local church, spend some time before the Eucharistic Lord. If that is not possible, you're not even able uh, this time to venture outside, find the quiet place in your home. Hopefully you do have a uh, prayer place in your home, perhaps in your bedroom, a comfortable chair, uh, some uh, religious uh, icon or a crucifix, or certainly the word to meditate with some quiet place to go and go on retreat to encounter the Lord in deep intimacy in uh, your prayer, in our prayer lives. Uh, but if you are able to get before the Eucharistic Lord, much grace also can be found by simply being in his presence. I know that has been uh, the case for me today. It's been the case for me uh, since I did discover that the Lord is a God of love and mercy, a God that is relational, that desires to encounter uh, you and me. So interesting, in today's Office of Readings, uh, the antiphons were coming from Psalm 69. Perhaps these are some of the emotions that uh, we're having these days. So this is not the Bereavery's translation, but some of well, some of Psalm 69 really resonate, resonated with me uh, this morning. It resonates, I'm sure, with many of you. So it's a cry of anguish in great distress. It says some of the verses say, Save me, God, for the waters have reached my neck. I have sunk into the mire of the deep where there is no foothold. I have gone down to the water depths. The flood overwhelms me. I am weary with crying out. My throat is parched. My eyes fail from looking for my God. Rescue me from the mire, it says later, and do not let me sink. Rescue me from those who hate me and from the watery depths. 
Do not let the floodwaters overwhelm me, nor the deep swallow me, nor the pit close its mouth over me. Answer me, Lord, in your generous love, in your great mercy turn to me. Do not hide your face from your servant. Hasten to answer me, for I am in distress. My friends, I don't know about you, but it does seem like there is uh, many uh, that feel these exact words of the psalmist. And so as I was praying about um, what to put out there on the interwebs, um, I uh, was just thinking it might be good to uh, speak about the beautiful life of the prophet Elijah. I think there is much here that is very relevant for us today. And so if you're not familiar with the uh, life of the prophet Elijah, I'd encourage you to pause now and to open up your scriptures and read 1 Kings chapters 17, 18, and 19 to read uh, about the life of this wonderful uh, prophet who has much to say to us in these days. To pause and to read these three chapters, especially the 18th and 19th chapters, and um, to uh, then uh, come and listen to the podcast again. But uh, anyway, for those familiar, uh, just as a reminder, the prophet Elijah burst onto the scenes uh, this is in the 17th chapter, by predicting a three-year drought. He said as he embraced his mission, the mission given to him by the Lord to predict this drought, he says, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, during these years thou shalt be no dew or rain except at my word. In a certain sense, I do feel uh, we're in a drought uh, these days, or at least feelings of a drought. Uh, the Lord has not um, gone away, uh, but surely uh, in his plan seems to have, uh, well, he's certainly allowing this uh, difficulty. The Lord told him to leave, to go east, to go east where he drank from the stream where the Lord commanded the ravens to feed him bread and meat in the morning and in the evening. The Lord took care of his needs. He took care of the prophet Elijah because he trusted. He trusted, he embraced his mission. He went and he was, uh, well, taken care of uh, by the Lord in uh, truly a miraculous way. The stream went, went dry, the stream that he was uh, drinking from. And so the Lord told him to go to go to Zarephath, where he met this widow and her son. Please God, we know the story. The Lord had commanded the widow also to feed him, to feed the prophet Elijah. He commanded him that, commanded her that the flour and oil would not go empty until the Lord made it rain again. This beautiful healing power that he gave to the prophet Elijah when her son had died, he brought him back to life. Such faith from this prophet Elijah, such trust uh, that he had in the Lord and his plan, such obedience, so docile was he to the working of God in his life. My friends, what a great model for us uh, this day and always. Then the Lord told him to go, to go again, and this time to Ahab, to Ahab the king where he would end the drought. 
And we have this, one of my favorite stories really in whole of Holy Scripture where he tells Ahab to gather the nation of Israel, to gather the nation of Israel along with the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah, Asherah, these false prophets. Let us uh, go to, this is now uh, in uh, 1 Kings chapter 18. And uh, we'll be, I'm going to read part of this. It begins with, cha- with verse uh, 21. So this is 1 Kings uh, chapter 18, verse 21, which has, a, I think, a really important question for all of us. Elijah approached all the people and said, so right here is all the nation of Israel and all of these false prophets. And Elijah approached them and says, how long will you straddle the issue? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal, follow him. But the people did not answer him. So Elijah said to the people, I am the only remaining prophet of the Lord, and there are 450 prophets of Baal. Give us two young bulls. Let them choose one, cut it into pieces, and place it on the wood, but start no fire. I shall prepare the other and place it on the wood, but shall start no fire. You shall call upon the name of your gods, and I will call upon the name of the Lord. The God who answers with fire is God. All the people answered, we agree. I hope you understand and know what happened next. It's really actually proof, I think, in a certain sense that God does have a sense of humor. I, I do like the this scene where Elijah tells these false prophets to then go and to prepare their bull and to uh, and go and do their thing, and he kind of taunts them, and, and eventually he just basically says, all right, you've had enough. You've had your chance. Uh, move aside and let me speak to the one and only God. So we'll pick this up at uh, verse 30, where he says, Then Elijah said to all the people, Come here to me. When they drew near to him, he repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been destroyed. He took 12 stones for the number of tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the Lord had said, Israel shall be your God. He built the stones into an altar to the name of the Lord and made a trench around the altar large enough for two measures of grain. Then he had, when, when he had arranged the wood, he cut up the young bull and laid it, laid it on the wood. He said, fill four jars with water and pour it over the burnt offering and over the wood. Do it again, he said, and they did it again. Do it a third time, he said, and they did it a third time. The water flowed around the altar. Even the trench was filled with the water. At the time for offering sacrifice, Elijah the prophet came forward and said, Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord. Answer me that this people may know that you, Lord, are God and that you have turned their hearts back to you. The Lord's fire came down and devoured the burnt offering, wood, stones, and dust, and lapped up the water in the trench. Seeing this, all the people fell prostrate and said, The Lord is God, 
The Lord is God. Such an interesting thing happens next. Elijah tells them to gather up these false prophets and goes down to the base of the mountain and he slits their throat. Perhaps that's a oh well, topic for a, another talk. But um, anyway, he uh, goes, goes then and, uh, well, he flees in fear, honestly, because Jezebel, the king's wife, said, uh, sent a messenger to him and says, May the gods do thus and so to me, if by this time tomorrow I have not done with your life what was done to each of them, to each of these false prophets. So he did flee. He did flee in fear. He fled and lay under a broom tree. He lay under the broom tree where once again the Lord fed him in a miraculous manner. Two times he well, perhaps this is kind of the feeling that we have um, right now. We're kind of perhaps some of us getting to a point of despair. We want to just lay down and quit. But the Lord is still here. He's still here waiting for us at that broom tree. He's feeding us in uh, surprising, truly miraculous ways. He's giving us the strength to go on. And in this case, he gives Elijah the strength to go and to walk, to walk to Mount Horeb, to walk to uh, this Mount Sinai, just another name, Horeb is uh, Mount Sinai, to walk there 40 days and 40 nights. The Lord strengthened him on this journey. And now I want to come to a beautiful passage that does speak so beautifully about the need for us to have silence. So I'm picking this up on 1 Kings chapter 19. This is uh, verse 9. So he's just gone on this journey for 40 days and 40 nights, and he comes to the base of the mount, uh, mountain of God, uh, Mount Horeb, Mount Sinai. And there he came to a cave, it says, where he took shelter. But the word of the Lord came to him. Why are you here, Elijah? He answered, I have been most zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. But the Israelites have forsaken your covenant. They have destroyed your altars and murdered your prophets by the sword. I alone remain, and they seek to take my life. Then the Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. The Lord will pass by. There was a strong and violent wind rending the mountains and crushing rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, an earthquake but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire, a light, silent sound. When he heard this, Elijah hid his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. So interesting, my friends, how quiet we have to be sometimes to hear the voice of God. How quiet must Elijah have gotten to hear a light, silent sound? Even more quiet, perhaps, than hearing his heartbeat. So quiet that he would hear all of this inner workings of himself, and he was able to finally hear the voice of God. He did then hide his face, and a voice said to him, Why are you here, Elijah? Why are you here, Elijah? The second time he is asked in that question. Again, he says, 
He replied, I have been most zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, but the Israelites have forsaken your covenant. They have destroyed your altars and murdered your prophets by the sword. I alone remain. They seek to take my life. The Lord said to him, go back. So interesting, my friends. Why are you here? Why am I here? Well, please God, it's because we do seek the Lord. We seek the Lord in silence. We know that the world is perhaps a hot mess right now. Things are going crazy. We got school at home. Perhaps we're working from home. We got people. Um, well, our life is just different than it was. We miss our family and friends. We miss our coworkers and classmates. We miss being able to go to mass and receive the Eucharistic Lord. We are missing so many things. Why are we here now? Because we know that we can continue to encounter the Lord and we are, well, being creative perhaps. And perhaps that's one of the great graces that's going to come out of this time where the devil perhaps thinks he's winning, but the Lord is working behind the scenes. He's working behind the scenes in so many beautiful ways. The Lord is showing us that we have a great desire for him. We have a great desire. Perhaps we have been going through the motions, but no more, not today. From this day forward, I am different. From this day forward, I will no longer take the Eucharist for granted. I will no longer take my family members, my friends, the fact that I have a job perhaps uh, for granted. No, why am I here? Because I know I cannot do it without him. Why are we here? Because we know the only person that can give us peace and joy is him. And so we seek this. Now we're seeking it on the internet. We're even uh, going to this little podcast from Father Dyer. We're just hoping to have some, some little uh, gem to uh, take to my own personal prayer. But there's another meaning in this, why are you here thing. The Lord said, stand before the Lord. It uh, can better under be understood and translated as to serve the Lord. The Lord was asking him why he had been here hiding in the cave. Why are you here? Why are you hiding in this cave? I gave you a mission and I never failed you in it. I always poured forth my grace upon you, gave you the words to say and my power to do great things. Why are you now abandoning your mission? Why are you here when I ask you to be among the people? Now, obviously, my friends, we have to be prudent in how we uh, move around these days, but we ought to be putting together a plan. How are we called by the Lord to be an instrument of his grace? How is he calling us to work in the lives of our family members, our friends, our coworkers, and classmates? How is he asking me right now here in this? And I do think we, uh, this is precious time. It is difficult time, no doubt, but I think that this is an opportunity for great grace, for great encounter with the Lord to truly go deep. It may be difficult to find opportunities for silence with our homes perhaps more crowded than normal, but we can find it. We ought to find it. You know, I saw a friend of mine put something on Facebook just yesterday. I mean, it was this morning. I forget, but she uh, said that it was the tradition from 
uh, her native place uh, in Samoa, that they would just pause at a particular moment each day and everyone in the village would stop to pray. What a great example for us. What a great tradition that we can bring into our own lives, that we can simply get silent. You know, in my own life, um, I have not wanted to be silent. And I had, well, a good friend of mine who was so uh, instrumental in helping me discover my vocation to the Holy Priesthood. She told me one day, um, well, she just asked me how I was doing. And I just kind of rattled off a number of things I was involved in. And she said, get quiet. God is trying to tell you something. You need to stop, get quiet, and listen. You know, my friend was right. And that's always good advice, I think, is for us to find some silence in our days. Be still and know that I am God, exalted among the nations, exalted upon the earth. Psalm 46. My friends, I think we do need to all be still. And like um, the example from Cain and Abel, we have to give him our best, where it does not please him. We need to give him the best of our day, which I think sometimes for most of us, I would guess, is the morning. Before we go off and run around doing all the things that we have to do, if we give, give him the silence of our mornings, give him that time, perhaps when we're sipping on the cup of coffee or we're uh, the kids are not yet running around or whatever it is, give him that time, that precious time. Speak to him, be still, and know that he is still working in our lives. And I was curious one day about the um, first time silence was mentioned in the Bible. You know, of course, we have this whole creation narratives and a deep sleep that was put upon Adam uh, where the Lord created Eve. Surely creation, though, was a very noisy affair. But the first mention of sound was immediately after the fall, where it says, when they heard the sound of the Lord God walking about in the garden at the breezy time of the day, the man and his wife hid themselves from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. The Lord God then called and asked, where are you? Adam and Eve surely had to have been silent in order to hear the sound of the Lord. My friends, uh, one of the great moments in my, uh, my journey to uh, the seminary and ultimately to the priesthood happened when this great um, video came out, the discernment video, it was called Fishers of Men. It was right when it came out, two of my buddies were Surprising, I didn't know it at the time, but we're in the video. But part of this uh, video really resonated with me. This woman, uh, we see this beautiful uh, photography, high-speed photography sort of thing. It says, if you look at nature, she said, and the way things grow, they grow in silence. If you look at the trees and the flowers, even if you look at human beings, we grow in silence. A relationship with God is very similar. It grows in silence. In an environment where once our inner ears are opened and can hear a God who only speaks in silence. You know, St. Mother Teresa would agree with this. She said, we need to find God and he cannot be found in noise and restlessness. God is the friend of silence. 
See how nature, trees, flowers, grass grows in silence, she says. See the stars, the moon, and the sun, how they move in silence. We need silence to be able to touch souls. My friends, we do need silence. We need to build it into our days. But many of us, I know, are afraid of silence. And I've been reflecting upon this and why. My, my own self and my life have been afraid to be silent. Maybe we just have a lot going on. And it's hard to squeeze everything in. Maybe we're afraid if we are quiet, we'll hear God. And then we'll have to act. We will have to change. Or maybe you're like I have been in my life. We're afraid to be alone with ourselves. There's part of us that we do not like. And when we are silent, when we're alone with ourselves, well, it's just not a comfortable place for us sometimes. It almost doesn't matter why we're afraid of silence. But I know I am not alone in my past struggle with silence. Even very prayerful people, even very pious souls who spend much time each day in prayer, seemingly silent, must go deeper. Or even they, at times, can struggle with science, with silence. Going from one prayer book to another. Going from one prayer, uh, one memorized prayer from the Rosary to the Divine Mercy Chapel to one thing after another, and they never truly got signed with the Lord. One of my favorite stories is an encounter St. John Vianney had with an old man in his church. Having heard confessions hours and hours, you could see outside the confession that this man would spend literally hours at the back of his church every day, one day after another. And one day he just asked him, what are you doing here? What do you do here all day? And this man in great uh, humility just says, I look at him, pointing to the Eucharist. I look at him, he looks at me. Really, my, my friends, I think our prayer is as simple as that is to get silent, to spend some time, to waste some time with the Lord, as the rector at our seminary used to say, to waste some time with him because it's not he, well, it's not us who uh, are really the, the uh, one who does the prayer. You know, we, have, we do not know how to pray as we ought, but it is the spirit that answers our prayer. It's the spirit that works in us. And so as Father Jacques Philippe would tell us, we simply just need to make ourselves available. I think so much, um, sometimes we try to just, uh, through brute force, we try to force our prayer life before the Lord when all he wanted was our company. All he wanted was for us to spend a couple moments in quiet with him, to make ourselves available. Then he, in his spirit, will complete the prayer. He and the Spirit will help us understand what he's asking of us today. Find that prayer place in your room. Go for a walk and speak to the Lord in nature. Get to a church and truly encounter him before the most blessed sacrament. We must get silent because some of our greatest growth does happen in silence. Surely this is part of the message of the prophet Elijah. The Lord is trying to tell us something. We have to get quiet and listen. But is there more to Elijah? How long will we straddle the issue? 
what are we doing here? He has brought us here. He's brought us to this podcast. He's brought us to this place. He's brought us on our knees, please God, so that we can counter him more perfectly. Jesus did not leave us when he ascended into heaven. He ascended into the sacraments. And while we cannot perhaps receive him in the most blessed sacrament these days, we can continue to receive him in the sacrament of penance. We can receive him in great intimate prayer. So I hope you are taking advantage of this time. I hope you are taking advantage of this time to perhaps go deeper in your prayer life, to spend some time encountering the Lord in great intimacy, to truly be even sacrificial in this search for true peace and joy. And I'm about to show my age here. I, um, well, there's Cheap Trick, a uh, interesting band. In 1979, they um, had a song, a big hit, I Want You to Want Me. So beautiful, I think, is um, almost as if the Lord is speaking to us through a uh, cheap trick. I'm sure this is not what they had intended, but it does speak to me in this way. He says, I want you to want me. I need you to need me. I'd love you to love me. I'm begging you to beg me. Of course, the Lord does not need anything, but you know, I'm understanding that the Lord truly desires us. He looks upon us with, with great love. And as I was, you know, listening to some of the cheap trick, another of their songs came to my mind, and I'll end with this. If you want my love, you got it. Another song by Cheap Trick. If you want my love, you got it. When you need my love, you got it. I won't hide it. I won't throw your love away. Because lonely is only a place. You don't know what it's like. You can't fight it. It's a hole in my heart. My friends, loneliness is a call to prayer. And the answer to prayer begins on our knees in silence. May God be praised. Amen.